Yeah, so, I mean, it makes it easy for me now because a lot of the people that I met early in my career in Miami are now the owners and stuff of the nightclubs when at the time they might have been managers and stuff, but now everybody's have grown and become the owners, and we've all been friends for all these years, so it's a big difference now. Uh, like... When you're at when you're when you're there at Miami and you're you get going out, have you? I mean, have you? When's the last time you bought a drink? I haven't bought a drink since I've been here. <laughs> um, I bought a drink like maybe last Sunday. I bought a drink. two Sundays ago. I bought a drink. Yeah. So I still buy drinks here and there. So, uh, 2002, you get drafted by the Vikings. Uh, just walk us through your experience. The, the second you joined the organization, which was a different organization back then, different ownership, different management, um, different kind of team. I think you're two years removed from an NFC championship. Uh, how would you describe that experience? It was a different experience because I, I didn't know anything about Minnesota when I first got drafted here except Mary Tyler Moore and Jimmy Jam and Terry Lewis in the Mall of America. Those were the three things I knew, I yeah. thought about. Um, and then I just realized you were going to spend at least the next four to five years of your life in this place. But when I got here, you know, I was able to adapt and learn more about the city and, and actually liked it and, and got comfortable and used to being here. Started getting used to the weather and everything. Um, I've been going since 2011 now, so coming back now, the weather's like, oh, guys, this is what I used to deal with? But um, it's, it's cool. I, I liked it when I came. I mean, when you, when you heard the, the name Minnesota Vikings, were you kind of like, oh, yeah. or, I mean, honestly, or did you have an idea well, you were going there? I didn't. I thought I was going to San Diego. So as far as weather-wise, I was like, oh, it would probably be somewhere nice to take picture. But in Minnesota, I already knew that Randy Moss and Dante Culpepper was here. So I was like, okay, I get a chance to play with those guys, you know? And I knew Dante was from Florida. And, like, we knew we had a mutual friend. And so, like, okay. I immediately started thinking about who I know on the team or how, who I could be connected to on the team because I didn't know, you know, it was going to be a new situation for me. So that was what I first thought. So Dante was, like, one of the first people who I thought about. And then – um once I got here, you know, I just made the adjustments. And it was becoming like a new team because, like, Corey Shavers had just came that year and stuff like that. So I wasn't new by myself. It was a bunch of guys coming in that were all new to Minnesota. And you guys kind of started building. How would you describe those Vikings teams back in that day? I, I, I chatted with Ralph Brown yesterday, former cornerback. Ralph, yeah. yeah. And, you know, he, he was there for two years. No, he's, uh, he's actually in New York calling high school basketball games, oh, believe okay. it or not. But, uh, he, you know, he said that ton of talent. I'm talking your early teams, like around 04-05, ton of talent. The coaching wasn't there. Um, I mean, what? How, how would you depict some of those early teams? I think, um, you know, at that time in my early part of my career here, uh, the offense was like number one and two, but the defense was like 30 or 31. So it was like we could put up 31 points, but then they had scored 32, like, you know, so. How frustrating was that, and how does that affect team chemistry? And that was the thing. You didn't want to make a division and say, you know, we're over here doing all this. We need y'all. You know, we're a team at the end of the day. I think sometimes you had some people at times that would become frustrated and may say something. Didn't really mean it just out of frustration, but, I mean, it is what it is. So then if we had to just score more points, then that's what we got to do. Like, we was trying to get wins. So, But, yeah, my first couple of years here, I want to say the first at least three years, we were like one and two in offense. Brian McKinney joining us from the Minnesota Vikings. He's back for the Super Bowl. We're at Radio Row at the Mall of America on a Friday here on KWSN in Sioux Falls. Going from Mike Tice to Brad Childress as a head coach. That had to be an adjustment. It was, and I didn't really care for it because I can be honest now. <laughs> yeah, I want to hear it. Um, 
I I like Mike Tice. Um, he was the one who drafted me, and he he actually even though he was the head coach, he sat in uh, meetings for meeting rooms with me sometimes to show me what to do to make my job a little easier, just to get the job done. So I like that. Brad Childers kind of came in and kind of was. You came from Philly, but you were, but we were a different player. Like you were making Dante. You kept calling him Donovan for one. You kept thinking he was supposed to be like Donovan because that's what you accidentally kept accidentally calling Donovan. He did one time though, but it was just like you wanted him to be Donovan, and that was bothering Dante because they're their own individuals. And then you wanted me to be like Trey Thomas, where I like Trey. I liked watching Trey and everything, but that's not my style. I tried to watch people who was more of my height and size, like Orlando Pace and Jonathan Ogden. And, and become my own person. I'm not trying to be like anybody else. I'm Brian McKinney, and that's Dante Culpepper. Like, we're our own individuals. So, it rubbed, it rubbed, I'm sure it rubbed Dante the wrong way because they had some words a few times, and I didn't really care for it either. And he just was like, just micromanaged a lot of stuff that was just like, just, he was just a bit much. <laughs> and then it was just like, he just took things too personal. I think he had like the little man complex too. It was just like a lot going on with him. Seemed very relatable. No, not at all. Like very dry and just like. Was he respected as an offensive mind? People felt like he probably should have been offensive coordinator. I could see that. Yeah. Being a head coach, I don't know because you just couldn't really relate with everybody. See, being a head coach, you have to be able to relate with everybody. But you were good at your job on offense, calling plays, stuff like that. I feel like stick with that. You don't have to interact with everybody, like, you know, so just, I feel like that's his thing. Ryan McKenney joining us. A few more minutes here on KWSN here in Sioux Falls. We're at Radio Row on Media Day right before the Super Bowl. Refresh my memory. Were you on the love boat? Oh, you don't know? I, I'm pretty sure I remember your name. I'm getting looks like, yes, of course you were. <laughs> <laughs> um, yeah, I was. I was on the boat. <laughs> Um, I mean, I'm not quite sure what to ask you after that. Because um, because Ralph, okay, here's what Ralph told me. He was on it as well. He said it's got blown up to be something bigger than it actually was. But then I've heard from some documentary, Fred Smoot, no, I mean, you fly in a bunch of strippers, and it was, uh, I mean, it, Ralph said it got out of hand, and it, he, it wasn't planned to be that way. I mean, how, how would you describe it? I would say that it was planned to do what it did, and that, from that incident on, we won seven games in a row. Because prior to that, we were <laughs> we were having a bad season. We were like, it might have been, oh, hadn't won a game or whatever. And so it brought team camaraderie, and it brought us together and made us all have to stick together through all that was going on after that story came out. And we went on a seven-game winning streak, so it served its yeah, purpose. Yeah, it, it loosened people you guys People got to always look at the good side, you know. <laughs> and nobody was harmed. Nobody was in danger during that process. Everything was some fun. So, what's the issue? Well, like, was, that the, was that the intention of Fred putting it together? Was that we, you needed something like that? Or was it just because it was awesome? Um, it was a combination of both. Okay. It was like, it really was like a team, team bonding. Like, no, we want everybody to, you know, to come who can make it. Because of the team bonding and get people to loosen up and get to know each other. That's a hell of a team bond. It was also, so we're not hazing rookies anymore. So, we're going to have this as like the thing the rookies helped put together. So. And of course, I mean, I was working in Minnesota at the time. It blows up into this thing. What's wrong? What's wrong? With, well, everywhere. Yeah, of course. And it's like, what's wrong with Tice? Why, they, why can't they get like these players disciplined? It wasn't like he was on a boat. Right. But you heard that. And, and, the, and you had a new owner. I mean, do you remember how Ziggy right. reacted? I feel bad for Ziggy, though, because he had just won the team. And then it's like, 
he walks in has to deal with this right away. He came in there, he was like, uh, like I guess people are like must have urinated on people's lawn and all that. He was like, oh my gosh. And I know he probably was thinking like, what in the world did I just step into? Did he, did he talk to you guys? Yeah, he came to talk to oh, us. Okay. What was that meeting like? He had our back. I'll, I'll say that. I, I like Ziggy because he had, he had our back in a lot of situations because me personally, the news people went through my garbage and they had found like pans and stuff of food. But my, it was around the time of my birthday. It was a week after my birthday when we that boat party happened. So when you went through my garbage, that was garbage from a week prior. And they had found like paper and had like a list of names. But the names were like my mom's grandma. I'm like, you know what I mean? And they were like, oh, these might be the girls on the boat. I was like, no, it's not. It's my mom's name or it's my cousin, like family members who came in for the game. I write their names down for whose tickets I had to get, like they'd be accounted for for the number of tickets I had to get. So that's the thing that they were pulling out. So Ziggy bought all of our shredders um, after that to allow us to shred our garbage and papers and stuff like that. So that was nice. Like he, he had our back. I mean, we probably, I mean, I don't know if we shouldn't have done it. Like a lot of people probably do it just didn't get caught, but you know, you leave Fred Smooth to be responsible for something and get a, a privacy clause signed, which you don't. Why? I don't know why. And this is why we should never left you in charge because... He was a doozy. I've always been in charge, but... Oh, okay. We let you do it because you want to do this boat thing. Okay. And... Do you want to be in charge of that? Would it have gone differently if you had? Well, yeah, I would have known the uh, privacy clause um, signed, so we couldn't even discuss this. Nobody would have found out about it. At all. Well, I'm glad, I'm, glad, I'm glad people did. It's a lot more fun that way. Bryant McKinney with us. Um, all right, 2009. Um, and, like, that year, but especially that game in New Orleans, um, when the Vikings beat the Saints on that miracle play, did you, like, Ben Lieber said he personally felt kind of redemption, and he was on the field on the radio. Okay, so you did. You felt that on oh, the Diggs catch. I, I definitely did. Um, I watched that. I tuned into that game, and... I kept saying it's going to come down. Like, I felt like they still had time. I was like, just come down. Who's going to have the ball last? Like, you really got to make a big play. And I, I honestly thought after they beat them, I actually thought they would make it to the Super Bowl because it reminded me of when I was in Baltimore and a similar play like that happened to us against um, Denver Broncos where the guy slipped and Jacoby caught the pass and, you know, ran for a touchdown. And I just felt like that momentum would be able to carry over. But um, I definitely felt like a little get back to knock them out of the um, – their contention to the Super Bowl because I still feel a certain way about how that. Much, how much did they cheat in that game? Or, or in the sense of not cheating, you know what I mean, the yeah, bounty game. There was a lot going on in that game. It was things that they, we didn't normally do. Like we had five turnovers and one of them was on the two-yard line. It was just stuff like that for us to still be in the game and only lose by a field goal, which over time was different then than it is now. And they changed it after that season where it's not just like whoever has possession first and kick a field goal is over. It's like both teams get possession now. So... Had it been like that, it might have been a different outcome too. Right, McKinney, look, you've given this has been great. Were you near the huddle or the chaos of that timeout before the twelve men on the field? Wait, which one? The twelve the twelve men on the field penalty before Favre's interception. Uh, Remember during the timeout? I was on the field. Yeah. I mean describe like how did that how how did that happen after a timeout? I don't know. Um it must have been a communication issue. And uh so many people on the field and then and then Favre. Yeah. yeah. Um, so, and that was that close to the Super Bowl for you. How cool was I it? Yeah. I feel like we would have won if we would have made it, too. Yeah. Um, and then I don't, you probably don't know if you're ever going to get that opportunity again. You probably thought you did in 2000. Okay. Back then, that was like year like nine, maybe, eight or nine. So I had already been in the league for a while. 
So I was like, I don't know. This is the furthest I've ever made it in my whole career. I don't know if I'm going to get this again. It's been eight years now. But did you guys figure you're going to have to do it again in 2010 with Favre back? Yeah, but I feel like 2010 was forced um, because when you have to go to his house and convince him to come back, when I felt like he did everything, he's a Libra like me, so I already knew what his mindset was. He did everything he needed to do. Shout out to the Libras. He did everything he needed to do and he wanted to accomplish. You know what I mean? Now I felt like the team was kind of being greedy in a certain extent, like, bring them back and do it again. Like, you know, we were in camp or wherever, and, you know, they sent, like, three players to his house, and they stayed overnight. I convinced him to, you know, come, and it's like, he was forced to come back. He didn't come back on his own. He's just like, they're here. I don't know how to tell them no when they're here in my face, so I guess I'll come back. So it wasn't the same drive and passion, I don't believe, in that last season because it was now you're being forced. But that first season, it was a lot more exciting because he wanted to come to Minnesota. He wanted to be able to play against Green Bay. He wanted to do a lot of things. He had one of the best at age 40, best um, seasons of his career. And we went to the NFC Championship. So, like, he did a lot. So he was satisfied. What a guy. I mean, how, I mean, how was he as, as a teammate behind closed doors and everything? Great as a teammate. And that's probably why we did so well because everybody kind of rallied around him. Because what y'all don't know is one game, it was a little dispute between him and Coach Childress. And Coach Scherzer tried to bench him in the middle of the game and wanted Tavares to go in. And Tavares, Brett said he's not coming out. So Tavares was like, well, I, I ain't going in. Like, you know what I mean? So it was hard for Tavares to try to go in because he had so much respect for Brett. And Brett said, I ain't coming out. So we want to stick this out. We ended up winning the game. We, we kind of all rallied around Brett at that point. You know what I mean? And it was kind of Team Brett. Whatever he said, he may have changed some plays in the huddle and all, but – if he said, let's do it, we, we just had his back. Funny in the huddle? No, he's definitely just funny overall. So. Funniest thing he ever said in the huddle? I don't know. He says a lot of things. And it's a lot of things that go on in the huddle, depending on where you're at. Like, somewhere, like, cold. You see, like, ice sometimes freezing in people's beard. Like, nose running. Just, like, pe- people passing gas in the huddle. It's a lot of stuff that takes place in the huddle. What kind of stuff takes place in the pile? In the pile? I See, I always try not to be on the ground like that. So, But I hear, like, be a lot of digging and clawing and stuff. Last one, because you finally got to go to the Super Bowl with the Ravens. What, what do you remember most about that night? Because that was a crazy night when the lights came out, you had the delay. Yeah, seeing for us, um, not being on offense for at least an hour and 15 minutes because when we came back from halftime, Jacoby ran it back for a touchdown. Defense was on the field. Power was out for another 30 minutes. Beyonce performance was 30 minutes. So it was like a long time not being on the field. Momentum change. We're now trying to just hold on to this win like because now the momentum swung so much, they started like catching up because we had a big lead. And then we managed to pull through. Um, confetti came down. We're celebrating after party. You had Mary J. Blige, Frankie Beverly and Mays. You had Jay-Z and Beyonce. The whole Destiny Child was there, her mom and all that. Great after party. You all those? I got to meet all of them. I took pictures with Beyonce. I took pictures with – I'm friends with Kelly Rowland already. Like when that happens, do you like get their number? No, but I knew Kelly already through Serena. So by me knowing her, she kind of opened up the window of me and Beyonce because when she seen me, she didn't realize I guess I was on the team. It was excited. And I guess they go, got Beyonce's attention. Like, who's that? And I know Beyonce's cousin Angie as well through <laughs> Serena. So. Is this party going to happen if you guys would have lost? Not at all. Just, was <laughs> it like a party for the winners? For the other team, yeah. Okay. Just, it wasn't a party for the Ravens. It was just a party you got invited to. It was, it was the Ravens party. Okay. But it was because we won the Super Bowl. But it was only – going to take place if you won so yeah we won and it, it was a good turnout right it was really nice to meet you i appreciate all those stories enjoy the rest of your weekend are you going to the game 
No, I'm hosting a watch party with um, Donovan McNabb and somebody else from the Eagles. So I guess you can tell what side I'm on. Okay. You can have fun with that. Thank you very much.